and we are doing our first read along with the universe and we have chosen midnight sun by stephanie meyer and oh just fyi this is all spoilers there is no spoiler free anything so if you have not read it yet you probably want to at least read up to chapter six so this is where we are going to be talking about chapters one through six prologue through chapter six and you are the whole design of this is to read along with us so if you haven't read it yet get to chapter six come back and listen to our little discussion all right you ready i'm ready all right Hey, so we're going to start off with our first responses uh, to this book. So when I first heard, um, started listening to chapter one, I was instantly brought back with a deja vu moment of like, I was in uh, my first year of college reading this book and going through like a really bad breakup. And this was my way to kind of, isolate myself and get sucked into a fantasy realm and I'm so I just had all of these strong emotions rereading the first chapter because I was brought back to that place and how like Twilight the whole story really kept me um kind of grounded and had something to focus on um and I my first knee-jerk reaction was I really was enjoying hearing this from Edward's point of view versus Bella's what was your first reaction in that too? I found out about this book in May. <laughs> I had no idea this was coming out. Um, and I'm a librarian, a teen librarian. So I got my finger on the pulse. Um, <laughs> I knew <laughs> I used to work at Huntington Learning Center, which is kind of like Sylvan. I don't know if people are familiar, but it's where teens and kids go to get tutored. And most of these kids are not readers, which is usually why they have like low comprehension. They're just not used to comprehending stuff. And so my boss would often recommend Twilight to the girls, of course. She never did to the boys, but whatever. And that was the first time I learned about it. And that was probably like 13, 14 years ago. Um, but I was not reading YA at the time. So I, I, you know, I, I was, I'm a reader. I've always been a reader, but I just was not reading anything much at the time. Cause I was like going from job to job. And then when I became a librarian, it was like a movie and it was really popular. And so you kind of have to have parties about it. And so my coworker is like, well, let's have a twilight party. But I'm like, well, I need to read the book first. And I got the first book and I, it was one of those things where I was like, okay, one more chapter. Okay, one more chapter. And it's like 3 a.m. and I'm still one more chaptering. And I think I read the first three books in like two weeks. And these are pretty big books. So I was able to get them through them pretty quickly. Uh, so I did enjoy them. I went to see all the movies. I was Team Jacob and all of this jazz. And um, so for this book, I'm just kind of... there. There has been some issues with the twilight series and Ashley and I will kind of get into that a little bit. And so I'm, what I'm looking for in this, um, midnight sun series is a, to see if she's changed anything in her book to kind of, you know, respond to the people who are having issues with it. And I would like more of Edward's family or Cullen, the Cullens. I want to learn more about them. I know they kind of got into them a little bit more in the books as they went on, but I would like a little bit more. I feel like we know everything about Bella, but nothing about Edward, except that he almost died during the Spanish flu. 
that I feel like that's all we know. Um, we got a lot about Carlisle just because the other books were about his, you know, issues or whatever. But yeah, that's what I'm kind of looking forward to, hoping to see in the series. Yeah, I have to agree with you because that's something that I was actually quite disappointed on. They spent all this time uh, focusing on, you know, Bella Swan and her whole story and everything like that. And they spent a lot of time, I feel like, on, um, you know, the Indian tribes that that were there. But it's like there was nothing on the Collins. And I was like, we only get, like, snippets of them. And the more... or the most that you see of the columns, I feel is when we finally enter into Eclipse, which is the third book in the Twilight series. And it's like, oh, there's like a lot of stuff going on here. You know, you get kind of snippets of like uh, Rosalie and Jasper and Alice, but not really Alice. And I would like a little bit more Alice. I would like a little bit more Emmett as well. And um, Esme and the whole entire thing. So I'm really looking forward to getting more of a backstory on all of these interlacing like characters that we are introduced to and that are a huge part of the whole entire Twilight saga. Like, don't just give me the two that have fallen in love. I want to know more about everyone else because they share a role in this book that is just as good (laughs) as Edward and Bella. Um, And I remember my first response to Twilight was that I wanted to know what Edward was thinking in those moments where he could not hear Bella's thoughts. Mm -hmm. That was the one thing that I was like, what's going on? What's going on in there? How does he feel about that? You know, because like in the movies, all you see is him making this like weird face at her every single time and he can't like figure things out, you know, or his bloodlust is just like this weird, like cringe worthy. You're like, Got it. Why? Why? Ew. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm looking for really wanting to know what Edward is thinking, his backstory, where he came from. Um, I don't, I don't. We don't know anything else about him other than he almost died of the Spanish flu. Yeah, you know. So uh, yeah, those are my things, and uh, I agree with you. With uh, I hope that Stephanie Meyer was able to. Uh, address some issues that were brought up in the book um, and to really kind of see where her writing is, has gone because we were given the first 12 chapters of a draft of Edward's POV. Uh, oh my goodness. Like what, what was it? 11 years ago, 12 years ago or something like they were, it was put up on her website and then it was never completed and I remember I, I sat down and I read the first couple of chapters and I was like, this is like a whole other book just because it's told from someone else's POV. And I almost wish that we would have had Edward and Bella kind of going back and forth in the first book because we missed some very vital information, which we'll get into um, in our read-along. Yeah. All right. Um, so, yeah, so we read up to chapter six. We were trying to read up to like page 250, but we don't have the book. And all we have is the book on our phones and the chapter or the pages on our phone is not the same as the pages in the book. So we actually only really read up to like page 120. So that's our bad. Forgive us. So from now 
one, we're going to go by chapters. So in the next podcast we do next week, it will be chapter 17 through 21. That's not right. 26. So if you're reading along with us next week, we will be reading chapters. No, seven to 16. No. Oh, my bad. My <laughs> seven through 16. That's next week's podcast. All right, Essie, I'm going to let you take it away because. Sounds good. Yeah. Okay, so we're getting into chapter one. Um, so my first thing that I have commented on is that Jasper is still struggling with his bloodlust for, for humans. And that's, that was my first thing that I actually wrote down on my notes that I found interesting because we meet them in the cafeteria, okay, and Alice is trying to work through Edward, who is reading Jasper's mind, and Alice is trying to see the future while as uh, Rosalie and Emmett are, you know, kind of going at it, trying to make sure that they seem more human inside this cafeteria, and, like, Jasper is, like, like really bad struggling with bloodlust. And I found it interesting that Alice and, and Edward were a consistent pair where they constantly were leaning on each other's uh, gifts to be able to protect the family and to protect everyone that's around them. My next thing that I had was like, Edward, like, like weird little quirks are explained better in this first chapter. I'm like, oh, well, that's why he's so, you know, uh, inward thinking because he's constantly like hearing and listening to different things and how he's like tuning out everyone else's like thoughts and everyone's thoughts have a different have a different tone to them and their tone matches their voice somewhat but not a hundred and ten percent because when you think about like hearing your own thoughts <laughs> I'm like oh wouldn't I have the same like tone as my outward voice and it's a little bit different which I was like oh I like that you know yet again we're getting more of Edward Hmm. So my first thoughts, I didn't catch, well, I caught everything you're saying, but I don't think I love the Twilight Saga as much as you do. So I'm not picking up on the same stuff you are. Um, I'm picking up on totally different things. Um, and what I picked up is that we are going to be in Edward's head for the majority of the book. I don't know how I feel about that. Um, and he kept, he kept, that's bad grammar. He keeps describing his bloodlust as a monster. He kept calling it a monster. And as a, as someone who like, we, we both read a lot of books and as reading this from a, a critical point of view, to me, that's not nuanced. I've read that before. And so I don't know. I just, it just didn't feel fresh. I felt like the Twilight series was with all the issues that it had, just put the issues that the book has aside, the actual words on the page. I feel like the book was written well because she did mix, you know, weathering heights in there and she's got some Bible verses in there and she's got a lot of themes going on. Mm -hmm. So she does have stuff happening where as so far in this book, I'm not getting any of that. And so yeah I'll that's all I have to say about the first chapter the only thing I noticed was the whole monster thing he just kept mentioning a monster 
Mm-hmm. Which I thought was interesting as well, because I'm like, that's that's the thing you got for yourself, you know. That's that's the the new the unique term that you're going to use for this inner uh, beast inside of you is is the monster. Um, which yeah, I don't know, and I, I still don't know how I feel about it because I I think it was in chapter five, five <coughs> or six. <laughs> that he um, kept saying it, and I was like, "What is happening?" <laughs> yeah, he um, yeah, he says it a lot. I looked up, I I <clears throat> looked this up. It says the word monster, and it's it's quite a bit. Um, I don't know. I didn't. So if I and this is Dawn, if I'm not with it today, it's because when I was taking my notes, I did not break it down by chapter. I just kind of did an overall thing. So if I'm a little scattered, it's because I don't remember what happened in each chapter, but I'm not going to do that in the next one. In the next podcast, I'll be ready. So that's what's going on there. If you're wondering what my problem is. It's totally okay. I was, um, okay. In the first chapter they're they're going through their first encounter already. Yeah. I'm looking at I'm looking at the book now as I'm like trying to familiarize myself and he wants to kill her. Is that Alice's vision that he was going to kill her? I was kind of confused yep. on that. Yep. Okay. Yep, cuz he literally saw himself um going after her because the bloodlust for her and the way that she smelled was unlike anything that he's ever had before. And so when I'm listening to it from his perspective, I'm literally seeing myself. I'm like, isn't that called love dummy? Like you're drawn to her more than any other thing, human, whatever. But this particular human, you are drawn to more. So it makes me think that it is in relation to because he loves her. He doesn't realize that yet. Like, like it's like a soulmate thing. That's what I gathered from it. Because for someone to want to kill you because you're making them uncomfortable, if you will, this is very light terminology. <laughs> and then all of a sudden you have this need to protect her because now she's been put into danger and your first response is to protect versus kill. Then it makes me think like, okay, like you've found that, you know, that one soulmate that everyone longs to find in, um, you know, our universe. And he doesn't realize it yet. He doesn't realize it. And so he, his way of expressing it is through stalker. Mm-hmm. Or he doesn't know how to handle it. He hasn't, he hasn't had a human emotion in so long. You know, he's, he's been taught to, you know, blink every couple of seconds. Make sure you, you take a breath every minute and make sure you cross your legs a certain amount of time or blink or whatever. You know, like when you die inside, cause he's technically dead. <laughs> okay. You, you lose human emotion. I mean, you lose like the ability to like, uh, mourn for things or to love things. Like it's not a strong, um, urge anymore. It's kind of muted. It's from what I've seen. And that's why like Bella turning into, you know, an immortal, when that does happen, the reason why she agrees the way that she does and how she feels is because she was, uh, 
you know, basically a monster with a human heart, if you will. She still has that. Okay. So I don't, I don't recall so far in the book, but at any point, does he kind of make that clear that the reason why he acknowledges that he's a stalker at one point, and I'm going to get to that. Um, but does any time, does he like explain to the reader that it's because I'm not human and I don't know how to behave like one and no one's never taught me to, how to behave like one. And that's why I behave this way. Cause I feel like no, I, Meyer should have said that, especially since one of the biggest arguments in this book is that he's a creepy stalker. I feel like if she had maybe explained that a little bit more, and maybe she will, as the book goes on, we've only read the chapter six, then people won't be so uncomfortable with that. Oh, yeah, because, I mean, when you're reading through his POV, it's like, oh, dude, you have major issues. Like, you're very sadistic, like, narcissistic, everything. Like, I don't, I don't want to be in love with you. That's what's going on in your brain. Those are my first, like, oh, oh, stop it, stop. <laughs> Why are you following her like that? Um, but then it's like the, he has this shift, and I think it's, oh, goodness, I think it's like chapter four is when he has this shift where he's like, so I can't stay away from her because I'm too pulled to protect her. So therefore I need to reason with myself on, I can either kill her, get it over with or protect her. So he, he kind of makes that switch, but it's very quick. It's a very quick switch. Is this how I feel? Okay. I still don't know how I feel about it's that. Not, yeah. I mean, it's not explained, you know, where he says verbatim, like, oh, because I haven't been human in a long time. I don't really know how to be a human. Like, he doesn't have those words coming out of his mouth. It's more like he's reasoning with himself, with his actions, you know, and he plays through each and every scenario in his head. I mean, if you want to really dig into that on chapter, I think it's yeah, chapter one where they buddied up in a uh, science class and he plays out how he would silence everyone in the room so he could enjoy killing her, you know? So it's like he, he's battling with like his inner, inner self, if you will, <laughs> constantly. I feel like if Stephanie Meyer had written that better, this would have made a better opening start for me because to have this inner conflict between wanting to kill someone yet you're in love with them like a love at first sight thing is an interesting conflict inner inner conflict but I don't think she does it well um unfortunately and I would have enjoyed the first six chapters a lot more if she had a develop that black and white issue going on in his head. I don't know, maybe not black and white is the best word for it, but that's a pretty stark contrast to have feelings about somebody. And all he does is kind of describe it as a monster. And I just want to kill her and I need to go away because I want to kill her and then now I have to protect her because all the other people want to kill her. And it's like, I just wish it had been written better. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, and maybe I like it will be. Maybe it will be. I I mean, listening to you talk about it, it's definitely kind of changing the way I feel about it a lot. Um, coming from the point of view as he's never, he's been a long time since he's been human. He doesn't 
know how to behave. And so that's why he does. Um, so it does, it is kind of changing my perspective of him a lot, but I wish he just had to made it a little bit more clear. Like I said, maybe it comes up in the other chapters as of right now, not as much as I would like for it to, because if I missed it, teens are going to miss it. It comes across as stuff. Well, yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he has, and this is still my chapter one note. It's, I was shocked to find that Edward just craved her smell. It wasn't, uh, you know, he wasn't drawn to the fact that he couldn't hear her thoughts. Like, that's not what drew him to her. It was the fact that her, the smell of her blood was so overpowering that he just could not contain himself. However, there was one part in that first chapter where he struggled with the monster, if you will, um, but had this little moment where he yearned to protect her because she was so new. It was a small, little itty-bitty moment where he said, like, but I do also struggle with the fact that I want to keep her from Mike Newton, who's, like, a gross man that's, you know, just, loving on her, you know, in his mind, and she has no idea. And so he has this, you know, knee-jerk reaction to, oh, I'm, I want to protect her from him because he's disgusting. I and mean, then he'll be like, have you heard yourself? <laughs> I, 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 have, I have an issue with that, too. Um, mm-hmm. Well, I don't know what chapter that's in, but it's not in chapter one. So we'll get to that. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then, let's see... Oh, I did not realize that um, he could cut off his air to himself. So he literally holds his breath and stops stops breathing altogether to be able to withstand that one hour. That was weird to me because I was like, I mean, they don't have to breathe. They don't even have to move. Like they make them so. And they make themselves blink and they make themselves go through human motions. So that, yeah, that makes sense. I don't know. I, it, it does. But I was like, I wish I could do that. <laughs> <laughs> you can breathe through your mouth. That's not the same. He wasn't no. even breathing at all. Um, okay. That's all I had for chapter one. And... Uh, chapter two is, is Edward, you know, basically fleeing the scene and telling everyone, like, I'm leaving. Goodbye. See you later. And he heads off to Iceland with the Denali clan, which is where we, right, are they in Iceland, correct? I don't remember. I should, but I don't. They're they're in a snowy area. Okay. <laughs> um, and I thought that that was really interesting because we get to see the relationship between Edward and Tanya because Tanya has a little bit of a thing for Edward in the movies. You kind of get that reaction that they they were ex-lovers at a time. And it turns out that they were not lovers. They were just really close friends. Um, And that's why I have for chapter two. So that was interesting to me because I was like, oh, we get to see into the Denali clan, which we found out about the Denali clan um, book three or four. You know, so it's like there's that little snippet in there that, that there's a little little storyline for you. Um, 
and then going into chapter three, I found it was very interesting that Edward could not make out Charlie's exact thoughts per se. He got like a gist of the thought, but uh, Charlie also has this weird haze over his mind as well, where Edward could not uh, hear in, into his mind the same as other people too. And I was like, Oh, it makes me think like, Oh, is Charlie a witch or something? You know, like, cause he's got supernatural powers that he just didn't know about either. But Bella's not supernatural. She's just normal. So no, but when she becomes supernatural, that, you know, power to block out people's minds from interfering with her brain is like huge. Oh, okay. Not affected. She's not affected by anything other than brute strength, if you will. I was just like, I hope Meyer answers that question. Why, what makes her and Charlie so special? Mm-hmm. I guess, I guess we'll see. My next thought was like, Edward couldn't let, you know, Bella die. This is when she's getting run over by the car, you know, and the way that Bella is depicted through Edward's point of view, she is a rather feisty woman. Like she's not like this stupid, like uh, stuttering girl, if you will, that is just like trying to get into trouble, you know, poking in different ways or whatever. Like she is a well-read person. Like, she gets good grades. She's reading freaking Sense and Sensibility, like, <laughs> under a tree one day. You know, she's not into the stuff that uh, students of her age are. She's more of a, an older soul. And I felt like I was able to see that point of view of Bella. Whereas in the first book, she makes the comment, you know, that her mom had said that she was born older. You know, she's always, like, a 35 years old. Uh, past her time or whatever it is Um, and I didn't get that from Bella's character in the first book but I definitely could get that from her character through Edward's eyes okay because she's like I expect an explanation you need to talk to me I am not stupid I saw your back imprint on this car I saw you stop the vehicle like yeah, she she did that in the first book too. Um I so once again you and I got something totally different from Bella, which I which I think is great okay. that we're we're totally picking up some totally totally different stuff. I don't know I think my notes come from different chapters. Um Yeah, so I'm not gonna talk about it now. I I felt like I was hoping Meyer was going to make Bella different in Edward's eyes than what the reader is often complaining about Bella. Um, People often complain that she's moody and booty and wrapped up in Edward and she doesn't have much going on. Um, She's just kind of her life is just centered around him and she was like really reckless with her life because she wants to be with him and So people were really like, they don't like Bella because of that. Mm -hmm. I personally thought Stewart did a good job portraying the person that was written on the page. It wasn't Kristen Stewart's fault. That's what was written on the page. Um, So the stuttering and everything, that's how she was written. Um, 
but I, I get that she was smart, and but she, I don't know, she was smart in the first, she was smart in the Twilight series, and what I picked up on her, like I said, I'm not going to get into it in this chapter, I'll wait, I'll wait, because what I have to say is in a different chapter, so. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, um, one thing I thought was really, so like when he um, saves her from the car and they're in the hospital and she wants to know what's going on, and he's like, no, and she's like, tell me now. And I'm like, why can't he just say, look, this is a private between me and my family. I cannot tell you because it's going to cost us our life. And you're just going to have to accept that. I didn't like her being like, well, you need to tell me now. And I'm like, no, he doesn't. It's none of your business. Be happy that he saved you and move on with your life. It it bothered me. (laughs) It's like, just tell her to go away and mind her own. I I think it also had to play with like Edward's cues. He was just more of like, oh, I don't know if I can answer it. You know, like he kind of gave off that that vibe. And so instead of being direct with her because he was continuously wanting to spend time with her because he's like wanting to talk to her, but not kill her, but still want to talk, you know, to her. But I'm just like, yet again, I, I'm sensing that this pull and he doesn't know how to say no to her. Like he doesn't know how to make her go away because he doesn't secretly want her to go away. So he's pro, you know, he's trying to use more like probing questions or more like beating around the bush type of answers to her. And it's like, you know, hence why she's like, just tell me like, you're still here. You're still watching me. Why are you still here? Why, why do you need to not be checked out? That's just how I felt about it. Um, I'm going to say this right now, but like, I really enjoyed the Twilight books. So if I'm a little bit more excited and more like team Edward, I've always been team Edward. John is team Jacob. So, <laughs> you know, there will be moments where we disagree. <laughs> yeah. But my main thing that I got from chapter three was that in 80 years since Edward's been turned to vampire. Okay. So in 80 years, you would think that he would have found someone that he cherished even a little bit, like, to be close to. And what I got from him was more of, like, a Stefan Salvatore type of uh, personality. Where So Stefan Salvatore is from the Vampire Diaries, and he, like, has a whole entire... Uh, decade, if you will, where he's considered the Ripper, okay? So he's just killing people just to kill people because he can't control his blood, you know, thirst, and he has no connection to any women. Um, and so, except for, like, his best girlfriend, and so that's what I've, I'm kind of picking up with, like, Edward's style, is, like, he's just been so focused on trying to maintain this bloodthirst and whatever, because he used to be like crazy about it. And, you know, Carlisle helped him curb his appetite to become vegetarian. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, it's just really interesting to me that Bella continues to grab, to, you know, pull at his heartstrings, if you will. And then it makes me think like, okay, do vampires have mates as well? Is that what's happening? Vampires and mates. Okay. I got nothing else in chapter three. Okay. All right. So chapter four, um, they knew, so like the Collins had like a family meeting, right? You know, so they're all kind of sitting around like, dude, like you just put our whole entire family in jeopardy. We were wanting to stay here for another six to seven years before people know that we're not aging, you know, 
and all of that stuff. And you throwing yourself in front of a vehicle to stop it from crushing this girl is not going to cause repercussions. Right. So like, I really liked that whole dynamic that they sat down as a family and were like, dude, you're You're going to screw us all up. Like this whole idea of like having these family meetings, I think are so important and vital to a family dynamic that like seeing it to the Collins, I think it really shows like how close they really are, you know, like one person's actions, you know, ripple into everyone else's lives. Um, yeah. And that's all I had for that. Yeah. That's good. I got nothing else. Okay. Yep. Um, so chapter five, my first response is, you know, Edward doesn't like Mike Newton. I honestly had no idea that, you know, that Edward was so repulsed by him. Like, <laughs> sick boy thought. Um, Edward uh, was interested that he, it was interesting because he literally saw Bella lying about going to Seattle during, like, the homecoming dance or whatever it is, and he's like, you're not going to Seattle, where are you actually going, you know, and that, that was interesting to me, because he's trying to read her body cues, and her responses to other people, as a way of reading her, um, so to me, that just really spoke to the fact that he's having to relearn how to pick up on, like, people's cues, again, because he's always had to be able to read people's minds so he can always think one step ahead as to how they're going to respond and he so that's why she's so alluring is because he can't do any of that with her he has to try harder and why he becomes stalkery and he's literally trying to see her through the school day through other students i'm like what is happening you just can't let her go no um and then I put, is love causing him to make himself believe that he could keep her safe from the monster within? If his hate-hunger became a need to protect, could he truly protect and silence the demon within? That's what I got with all of his, like, inner monster dialogue. Is that what he was struggling with inside? Because, I mean, that went on for pages and pages, it felt like, him having this inner monologue. Mm. I agree. You know... So, and then chapter six. Oh, wait, wait, wait. So I have stuff to say about chapter five. So this is where I started oh, to sorry, like break my notes down into chapter. <laughs> For some reason, I started with chapter five. I don't know why. Okay. So like I was saying that one of the issues with the original series is that people did not like his stalker behavior. Um, and so I kind of wanted to see how Meyer like reconciled or justified his behavior. And all she kind of really does is like, he acknowledges it at somewhere. I don't know if it's chapter five or what, but he was just like, he acknowledges that he's being a stalker. But in my opinion, just because you admit something that doesn't absolve your behavior and, and then give you license to just keep behaving that way. Um, so, and when you were saying that he was watching her, like throughout the, like listening to people around her to kind of get a sense of what, who she was, cause he can't hear her this book in a sense made him even more of a stalker. So instead of like trying to like, I said like so many times because readers had, it took issue with the whole stalker thing. She's, she's making him even more of a stalker and she's not like making it less. It, 
because she's now listening to her conversation or yeah, her conversation with her friends at the table. And it just, Mm -hmm. it just makes it even worse. Um, let me see. Oh, okay. You're right. It is, it is chapter five because that's when he like is going through that whole entire thing. And I'm like, bro. Yeah. So when they're at the, I don't know where they are. Oh, I think Tyler asked her to the dance and she said no. And so he says in his head, if Tyler misses his chance to ask Bella to the dance at a later date, I had no way of knowing the outcome. It's like, um, I didn't like that. I didn't like that at all. Um, another thing. So this is where I was talking about with, uh, Bella being a different person in this series than she was in the original series. And I felt like this was Stephanie Meyer's opportunity to make her into a, I don't know if better character or maybe a just more developed character is a better term for it. And so I get the whole thing that she's like smarter in this. You said she's a little smarter in this book or she is written to be a little bit smarter and a little bit more feistier. I I can see that. And then Edward in the first book, it was really apparent that Edward was really attracted to her because he couldn't hear her thoughts. So that was like, the one thing we could take away because we were never in Edward's head and now we are in his head. And what he seemed to be attracted to is that she's compassionate. So like they're at the lunch table and they're talking about comic con and she kind of like takes up for another character and all he can come up with is that she's kind and compassionate. And I'm like, that's it. I felt like that wasn't enough, but if there's a, a love at first sight thing, that's different. That adds a different dimension to the story. But on the surface, it's more of I told her a story about that might be chapter six. Never mind. But in chapter six, he tells her a story about his parents and she's like, oh, I'm so sorry. And he's like, oh, she's so compassionate. I love her. What? Like many people are compassionate. And I don't know if they made the Jessica character some vapid hound. Like she was just I I recall being I don't know. I don't remember much about Jessica in the first books. Um, but if the two women that she's surrounded with is Jessica, who is vapid and jealous, and then the other girl who's insecure and like awkward, then of course Bella looks better. I don't know if that's making any sense, but my point is I didn't find her very interesting. I don't think so far Marissa Meyer is taking the opportunity to make Bella a more interesting character. She's still pretty Mary Sue, very Mary Sue right now. And kind of a wet blanket. I, if, if it's a love at first sight thing, sure. But if it's something else, I don't see what's so great about her. Um, so that was my thoughts on Bella in Chapter 5. Also, the whole Mike Newton thing. If I recall, Mike Newton in the first series was a pretty good guy. I'm not sure why Marissa, Marissa Meyer, wrong author, Stephanie Meyer. <laughs> not sure why Stephanie is trying to, like just assassinate his character. Um, he's described as crude. And so um, Edward can hear his thoughts. He's very like, he's described him as crude and he is like picturing Bella sexually, um, which I'm not trying to say that that's okay, but that's human nature, especially for boys their age to think about girls or boys sexually as adults we do that we fantasize about other people sexually but is but is he acting on that is he abusive is he like 
taking advantage of her. No, he doesn't do that. I remember he get, him getting jealous when Jacob comes to the movies with him. I don't know if that's in the book and the movie, but I remember that being in the movie. But that's the only time I really see Mike kind of like, ew. Um, and I don't think it's fair to say, ew, he's fantasizing about her and that's just gross and wrong. Yet he's standing in her bedroom watching her sleep. Like, I, I can't, I can't, like, that's, I can't be okay with that. <laughs> people are going to think sexually about other people. That's, you know, I don't know what the study is, but they say that men think about sex umpteen times a day. Women is a little bit lower, but it happens. And it's not a bad thing. It's just what humans do. It's just how you, do you act on that? If you act on that, then that becomes a problem. But just thinking about it, eh, I'm not going to say he's a horrible human being because he's thinking about her sexually kind of had a problem with that um that's all i had about chapter five i believe yeah i have to i i will say um i got similar vibes with everything that you were saying as well because my first reaction was with jessica jessica's an annoying did with big tits okay like that's just who she is in 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 the first book and you kind of get that vibe from her every single time she opens her mouth and it's like okay like you are just <laughs> not 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 getting it you're not a really you know bright girl and um Angela who is the other friend um she is this more quiet, timid, sophisticated girl. I think that's kind of the vibe that I get. And I'm like, why are both of these girls friends? Because they are two different personalities. Like literally on opposite playing fields here. And so Bella comes in and Bella's kind of a dip, but she's also smart. So that's why I think she molds into that group in a weird way is because she's got a little bit of both of that. Um, but it also just, I don't know, like, I think we're going to see it later on in the chapters that like we, we get more as to like why Edward is drawn to Bella versus just she's kind and sweet or considerate. You know, because at first I was like, that's all you got to say about her. You know, if my, if my husband just told me, oh, you're kind and sweet. I'm like, really? What else am I good at? You, know? <laughs> like, you can't just describe someone with two. The whole Mike Newton thing made me upset and the Tyler thing also made me upset because these guys are what, you know, 17 year old guys. Like, of course they're thinking about sex and sports. That's what they do. Like that's, that's the title of the podcast. Sex and sports. I mean, that, that is what they do. So, and because Edward was born in such a different era, he is not thinking that way, you know, and he's lived his life. He's out of the, the hormone, you know, my, you know, their sex drives racing and they don't know what to do with themselves. And there's just all these emotions happening and he's critiquing them based on their inexperience, you know, and also based on their lack of like maturity, I think is really and truly what it is. Um, but I didn't like it because Mike's a good guy. You know, Mike is your, your average 17 year old guy that wants to ask the new pretty girl out to the dance. It's kind of the life of the party. You know, he doesn't really do anything bad other than like her, you know, or think about her in a derogatory way. Right. So that's 
the first thing where Edward's like, oh, no, because how he was raised is that you, you court a woman before you marry her, right? And it's like there are these outings that, you know, they're supervised outings, so you don't do stuff like that. So it's like, of course, Edward's going to be like, what is going on in this gross pig's mind? But that's how they think, you know, and it just makes me realize, like, do, do you not read into people's minds enough to care until yeah. that moment? You know, and it's like he's Tyler's entitled to his opinions, you know, and his thoughts because they're his thoughts, you know. Like you said, if you don't act on them, those are your thoughts. You can have them. How you handle your thoughts is a different story, but it doesn't make him a bad character. It's just like, so, so what if he wants to ask her out? Mm-hmm. <laughs> What's the problem, you know? And so, like, yeah, they, Edward is written extremely stalkerish. Because he doesn't also understand the culture. He's still living, you know, during the Spanish flu epidemic. Like, that's where his brain will always be, along with Carlisle and, you know, Rosalie and all of them. Like, like they're still living in their eras. Where it's like, that's not, this isn't modern day here. Yeah. (sighs) Yeah. And I think chapter, okay, so chapter six is still more shocking, correct? (laughs) more stalking you know and Bella faints at blood during the um one of their labs or whatever that they had to do and I found that that was weird because I don't remember her doing that the first time I do wait what happened them doing labs and looking through a microscope well in the movie I've seen the movies more than I read the book so sometimes things in the movie don't happen in the book yeah, no, so I think it was it was in the book, but it was um, it was another lab scene, and he's sitting out, you know, because he still couldn't, didn't want to face her or something weird because, oh, yeah, because they were doing blood work or whatever in the lab class. So, of course, he's like, I'm not, I'm going to skip out because I can't, you know, do this class today. And she's like, oh, well, that's dumb. And she faints. And I was like, why is she fainting at the side of blood? That's weird. I don't know. It just seemed like a trait that was not consistent with her. But maybe I missed something. I, I wish, I wish I knew the books better to answer that. But I, I, I thought that was weird too. I was like, I don't recall her fainting and I don't remember that, but Mm -hmm. you can't go by me. I only read the books once. Well, yeah. Um, And then I did like the fact that Rosalie we, we get more of, like, Rosalie and Emmett's, like, love story. They were a love at first sight encounter, whereas Alice and Jasper, we learned that Alice was having visions about Jasper 28 years before they were united with each other. And she was, like, sending things, like, back to him so he was able to find her. It was really interesting to me because I, I'm always, you know, curious as to, like, well, how did they find each other or whatever? Alice and Jasper definitely had a type of meeting that I would expect from someone who's able to see the future. So, yeah, those are my final thoughts on on chapter six. So what about overall the first six chapters? Did they meet your expectations? Um, I, I think the fact that I, like, breezed through it so quickly is a testament to the fact that I was craving a good vampire story if you will because all I can think about was 
of Reading Crave by Tracy Wolf and how much even better, you know, this book is versus <laughs> that whole Crave story. <laughs> and this is a retelling in a different POV, you know? So it's, it's just, it, it was baffling my mind at the fact that Stephanie Miles Meyer still had enough of a, um, a way to draw you in into the story the way that, that she did. Because I was expecting us to, like, enter into the story, like, pre, you know, uh, what, where are they at? Watch Washington or whatever they are. Forks. Forks, thank you. Three forks. I was expecting us to get, like, dropped into the columns, like, as they're approaching forks or whatever. And the fact that they were the first scene is them in the, in the cafeteria at school. I was like, oh, okay. I can do that. So, those are my thoughts. What are you, like, if the book ended now, what would you rate it? Ooh, that's a very interesting question. Huh. I would say, as of right now, I think I would give it a three, 3.5. That's what I would rate it. All right, you. Well, here's my my issue. Um, (laughs) I tend to not (laughs) like books in this POV where we're in the main character's head the whole time. Um, In my opinion, if I'm going to be in a character's head, this person better be witty or charismatic or funny or insightful or have something very interesting to say. And so far... All we're getting is stalker behavior and she's tasty and he's trying to kill her and not kill her. And I'm not, I'm not interested in Edward and what he has to say so far. I we're in his head a lot and I don't want to hear it. It's a lot of repetition and it's not, like a beautiful prose it, like if you're going to be in his, someone's head they they better be a beautiful speaker and thinker because we're going to be in his head for 700 pages so he better have something interesting to say and so far he really doesn't and it's really bumming me out um i i can honestly say i was really bored and i am not enjoying it at all um so this is going to be an interesting podcast where you are really liking it and I am not. <laughs> I think this is the first time that we are on opposite mm-hmm. ends of the spectrum as far as liking a book. Um, oh, yeah. Right now, I would give it a one. I, I am not. I'm not enjoying it at all. Um, she's not. So far, you know, I at the beginning of the podcast, I talked about how there were some issues with this book. And, like, the stalker behavior was a problem. People were saying that it was a lot of misogyny. Um, Bella's behavior, I, I believe it passes the Bechtel test, but um, just her obsession with him is a problem. Um, mm-hmm. The Native American culture is a problem. So I, I on Chapter 7, I think she actually goes to LaPush, and we probably meet Jacob. So I stopped right at chapter seven. So I'm curious to see mm-hmm. if she is still going with this Native Americans are savages and dogs thing. Hopefully she cleans that up. Um, I'm just hoping she cleans up some of the issues that she's having with people. Like people are literally like saying 
instead of buying this book, donate your money to that tribe that she's like taking advantage of. Like mm-hmm. people are almost to the point of cancel culture with her. Um, so I'm hoping that she, and she, I'm sure she knows this and I'm hoping that she, that she turns it around, that she fixes it somehow. <laughs> this is yeah. her chance. And I, have, I haven't gotten there yet, so I have no opinion on that. Yeah, and I, I'll be interested, too, because so far I haven't gotten that vibe, um, you know, with the Native American culture and stuff like that. And I'm just like, okay, like, I'll be interested to see how that is either touched on or taken out or, you know, how, how are we going to handle this? Um, because so far we have not many, met any of the of the blacks, right? We haven't met anyone from that um, that family. So, um, and because they they, I don't know. Yeah, no, no, they haven't even mentioned anything about the treaty or anything like that. So I'm just kind of waiting to see if that's going to happen. Um, I think my overall you know, take on the first six chapters was, I think I was reliving my like 18, 19 year old self. And it was like, I think that's why I was so like giddy to keep reading is because I was reading something that was a major like part of my life at that time. But as I'm like dissecting it as well, I'm kind of like, Edward, you're a little creepy. (laughs) because I read books more critically now. So it's like before it's just like you're, you're, you're reading all the fields and you're just getting into young adults. Right. And this whole fantasy realm, you're excited about the world, you know, and you're like, Ooh, are they going to make it out in the end or whatever? And you're not really picking up on all of these other like cues in the books about the characters or the timing or the innuendos. And then when you break it down, it's like, Oh, I don't know why I love this book. <laughs> Maybe I just love the experience. I didn't really love the whole <laughs> process of the story. Um, but I, I really hope Edward, uh, I guess, creative side. That, that's just how I saw him in the, in the first books when I first read about him. Was Edward is this silent, creative person who, you know, writes this beautiful music and he's waiting for the right girl and all this other stuff. And I'm just getting a lot of stalker vibes, you know, I think I'm trying to like stand up in his corner, but I don't know if I'm going to be up in his corner for too long. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in the first book, he wasn't, he was stalker, but it wasn't, it wasn't, that bad it was bad because i believe we saw him in her room yeah and then like she gets into a bit of a a jam with some guys and he comes to save her but because it's her Mm -hmm. told from her point of view she's not really looking out for him but now that it's told from his point of view it's like he is with her all the time because this is about their romance and so meyer has to get them together at she has to keep them together before they start dating when they start dating, they're probably together all the time. But up until that point, she has to be in the story somehow. So the only way she can be in the story is by him watching her. And as I go into chapter seven, I'm like, oh, God, he is going to be there while she's at La Push And she's going to he's going to see her with Jacob. And then I'm going to have to freaking hear about it. And I am not looking mm-hmm. forward to that chapter because I know he's going to be there. I'm just like, oh, my God, here we go. 
So mm-hmm. in the in the original series, really didn't we saw some stalker vibes, but you were able to kind of get over it because it's like, eh, you know, it's creepy. But there are so many other good things going on that it's not. I can I can look past that. How I'm the whole Native American savage thing, I don't know. I was not a teenager when I read this book. I was in my 30s. I missed so. it. I oh. missed it 100%. So when we were talking about it, I was like, did I, like, was I really that dull? And just completely, like, tunnel visioned or something to yeah. miss this theme? I, so I'm black. And sometimes I, <laughs> I, am able to pick up on the oppression of other races. And so Mm -hmm. I'm not native American. I don't know like their struggle, but I know how it feels to be a Brown person in America. And I should have been able to pick up on that, but I just didn't. And I'm like, and once again, Mm -hmm. I'm in my thirties and I did not pick up on that. And I was like, (laughs) was I blindsided by the hotness of Jacob? What the hell Dawn? Like, what is that? I know for not catching that. So I catch it in other books, like, a lot, but even back in the day, I would catch it in other books, but I just totally didn't catch it in this one, so, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, we'll have to see. Yep, we'll have to, we'll see. Have to see. Well, thank you for joining us for the first six chapters of Midnight Sun by Stephanie Meyer, and we will catch you in the next podcast. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.